Gimme Shelter is supported by the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Welcome everyone to Gimme Shelter, the California housing crisis podcast. I'm Manuela Tobias, housing reporter with CalMatters. And I am Liam Dillon, and I write about housing affordability for the Los Angeles Times. And today, right before Election Day, we're talking about the guy who always seems to be on your ballot. That is Governor Gavin Newsom, first elected in 2018. Then he survived a recall attempt last year, and now he's up for another four-year term on this year's ballot. The governor came in with big, big promises on addressing California's endemic housing and homelessness problems. And we'll be dedicating this episode to see what he did and didn't do about it. No guests this week. You're just going to get Manuela and my very trenchant analyses. You will be hearing some of Governor Newsom's promises over the past four years directly from him. But first, we have the most popular segment in all of California housing podcastry. It is the avocado of the fortnight. Our bi-weekly look at the most zany, strange, kooky, and madcap story that defines California's housing crisis. Liam, where does this fortnight's avocado take us? To sunny Santa Monica. Your stomping grounds. Yes, I stomp here frequently. Okay, so what's happening over there? So it's a lot of new housing, Manuela. In a little over a month, developers in this beachside city proposed more than 4,500 new apartments, including a 15-story high-rise. This proposed housing boom would be more new homes than has been built in the last decade combined in Santa Monica, and the high-rise would be the city's tallest building outside of downtown. That sounds avocado-y enough, Liam, but I'm sure there is more. What does the city council have to say about this? Well, the real avocado here is that the city council might not be able to say anything at all. All of these projects are being proposed under a little-known provision in state law called the Developer's Disco. Okay, Liam. That can't be real. Yeah, you're right. That's not real. That's not real. There's no (laughs) Developer's Disco. But the actual name of this little-known provision sounds just as made up. It is called the Builder's Remedy. I don't know if I buy the Builder's Remedy either. Well, that is real. Essentially, the builder's remedy says that developers can propose whatever they want to build in cities that have run afoul of state housing planning laws, provided that a certain amount of the units are dedicated for lower moderate income families, and then city councils are powerless to say no. This provision has been around since 1990, but has never really been used before. So what did Santa Monica's city council actually have to say about this? Right. So so a little bit of context first. Santa Monica is well known as a city that has had constant development battles going back like a half century. Its population is shade over 90,000 people, is roughly the same as it was in 1970, even though the demand, of course, to live in Santa Monica has kind of always been through the roof. So I imagine that the city council meeting about this was a hoot. Yeah. So Santa Monica City Council met on October 11th to discuss its housing plans, the Builder's Remedy, the 15-story high-rise, and the rest of the projects that are being considered. Council members learned in real time that there is little they might be able to do to stop these projects from coming in until the State Department of Housing and Community Development, or HCD, signs off on the city's new housing plan. You can hear Council Member Phil Brock figuring this all out live during the meeting. Even, so in other even words, if we get into compliance. In other words, before HCD actually stamps this and sends it back to us on Friday, anybody else could rush in tomorrow morning and Thursday morning. Shh. I know I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm 
I, yes, I know. I just, I just opened the damn door. Ah, uh, yes. The exaggerated shushing of council members who do not want anyone else to know about the builder's remedy in Santa Monica. Yes. Love to exaggerated shush. <laughs> Captions. Okay, Liam. So you actually wrote about this. Are we actually going to see a big new tower and all the other projects in Santa Monica? So first, yeah, like definitely read my story, uh, as always, uh, because you'll learn a lot more about what's going on in Santa Monica and potentially similar proposals in other cities across Southern California. But to answer your question directly, maybe. There's a lot of legal uncertainty still surrounding the builder's remedy since it's never been used before. And also these projects, especially the larger ones, are subject to the California Environmental Quality Act, meaning that there could be a years-long environmental review process with the door left open for litigation there too. It sounds like a lot remains up in the air before you actually witness a building boom over there. Yeah, but... I think the fact that this is even on the table is a great example of how much things have changed thanks to new housing laws and greater enforcement of those laws by Governor Newsom's administration in recent years. Yeah, especially since, as you noted, Liam, this law has been on the books for three decades, which is actually a great segue to the main part of our episode. So... As you said at the top, Liam, we're coming up on election day. Gavin Newsom is on the ballot. He's running against Brian Dolly, a Republican state senator from a tiny town in the furthest north reaches of California called Bieber. And while you can never say never about Dolly's chances, okay, <laughs> Governor Newsom is far ahead in the polls and appears to be headed for re-election easily. So we're going to use today to go over what Newsom has and hasn't done on housing. Sounds like a good plan. Liam, I know you were covering Newsom really closely early on in his campaign and through his first couple of years in office. So what exactly was he saying about housing back then? So he was talking a really big game about building housing at a rate that we've never seen before, at least in modern memory in the state of California. Here he is at a gubernatorial debate back in 2018. The reason we're at 3.5 million housing units as a goal is because that's what it will take to address the affordability crisis. We can have goals that are insufficient or goals that will actually produce the intended result. And I intend to lead that effort with an aggressive effort to lead the charge, to connect with local government, to get them to actually do their job, to incentivize better behavior, and to be punitive where we must. So to reiterate, Newsom said the state would build 3.5 million new homes by 2025, which is the equivalent of a half million homes every single year over that period. To explain sort of how crazy that actually is, we've only surpassed the 300,000 homes a year mark just twice since the state began tracking permits in the 1950s. And the last time that happened was way back in 1963. California had been building at a pace of around 75,000 homes a year when Newsom made this promise. So he was calling for essentially a quintupling of housing production annually. And you can imagine hearing all this, my head kind of exploding a little bit. It is bonkers. Avocado of the decade. So <laughs> how serious was he when you promised that? So despite my best efforts at the time to get him to concede that this was not really a realistic plan, he and his campaign insisted that it was. Back in 2018 for a story when I pressed him on this point, he told me, quote, when I embraced the goal of 3.5 million new units by 2025, I knew it was unprecedented and audacious, but it's what must be done. 
And Manuela, you just wrote a story on this for CalMatters. So how many of those 3.5 million homes have actually been built? The best way to measure it, Liam, is by looking at permit data, which cities collect and report back to the Construction Industry Research Board. These aren't units built exactly, but almost certainly on their way with about a year-long lag. In their latest projections, the board estimated California was on its way to permit about 450,000 housing units between 2019, when Newsom took office, and the end of 2022. Considering he was supposed to build a minimum of 500,000 a year, what this means is that he didn't even make his one-year quota in his entire first term. Ah, I see. So that's uh, quite a gap. Yes. So tell us more about the vision that he set out while campaigning and in his early months in office. There was some pretty lofty rhetoric there, too. Indeed, there was. During his inauguration speech in 2019, Newsom said he had a Marshall Plan for affordable housing. In our home, in our home, no one should live in constant fear of eviction or or spend their whole paycheck to keep a roof overhead. We're committed to launching a Marshall Plan for affordable housing, and we'll lift up the fight against homelessness from a local matter to a statewide mission. So the actual Marshall Plan, to sum it up briefly, was a $13 billion plus plan, or about $160 billion today after accounting for inflation, to rebuild Western Europe in the four years following World War II. So an affordable housing effort in California akin to rebuilding Europe after the most devastating war in world history. Yeah, that's what he said. And while that speech didn't really add any detail to what he might mean by that, Certainly that comment combined with 3.5 million home pledge created some pretty wild expectations for what the governor was planning to do while in office. So what do we make of these promises then? So yeah, whenever I've been asked about this over the years, I've tried to be clear about the ways that I think it's sort of fair to hold him accountable to what he said. You know, after all, remember the governor doesn't control lots of things about building housing, like the price of lumber or interest rates, things like that. But there are, you know, a lot of levers that are within his control. He's responsible for the state budget, which could dedicate lots of money towards building affordable housing and government in general through zoning, fees, tax policy, environmental laws, et cetera, et cetera, has a tremendous amount of control over what housing can and does get built. Right. And some of the reasons housing is so expensive in California is because of land use restrictions on what developers are allowed to build and a very lengthy and convoluted process for getting housing approved at the local level, sometimes to the point where a neighbor who's unhappy with a project can sue because the shadows it casts are too long. Mm. There's also been a deep and ongoing lack of public investment in building housing that's guaranteed to be affordable to lower income residents. Right. And so I've always thought a better way to hold him accountable for the 3.5 million unit and Marshall Plan pledges was not really a pure number like this many homes built, but Mm -hmm. rather if the governor proposed and passed something policy wise that sort of matched the ambition of that numerical goal. All right. Give us an example. Yeah, so it could be a lot of different things. You know, right now, homeowners in California get a lot more housing subsidy through the mortgage interest deduction, other tax credits, than money that's dedicated towards housing low-income renters. So, you know, the governor could change that. On the spurring construction side, he could have proposed, you know, just wiping away entirely limits on 
project's height and density and requirements for parking, other local zoning restrictions. Now, to be clear here, none of this is to say that these ideas are necessarily good or wouldn't have negative effects that would need to be addressed as a result, but you get the idea of kind of the scale of what he would need to propose to, again, match that ambition. To go from building 75,000 homes a year to something like 500,000. Exactly, yeah. So let's talk about that then. While the governor signed a few bills while in office to make building a lot easier in certain situations, and he did pump in more affordable housing dollars, he got nowhere near creating a clear path to build housing at that scale. Right. And, you know, Manuela, you have covered this much more recently. So take us through some of the ways that Newsom was able to chip away at the system and at least make housing a little bit easier to get built. Well, the first thing actually started before he was in office, but he continued it. The governor has signed a bunch of laws that make it easier to build accessory dwelling units or ADUs, backyard homes. Casitas. Yes, casitas, uh, granny flats, basically garages converted into housing or building small freestanding units on existing lots. There have been a lot of local rules restricting those. State laws wiped a lot of those rules away, and now there's been a cavalcade in casita construction. Sure, sure, Liam, whatever you want to call it. Okay, according to a recent article in The Atlantic, around 60,000 new ADUs have been permitted in California since 2016, a more than 1,000% increase from beforehand. And a lot of the increase in permits that I saw looking at the more recent data under Newsom, experts did attribute to ADU rises. Interesting. Wow. Okay, that's a big number. And the governor signed another law in this vein in 2021. The law, Senate Bill 9, legalized duplexes and fourplexes on nearly every single-family lot, places where only single-family homes were allowed before. This is a huge deal considering single-family homes occupy most of developable land in the state. And the idea of a single-family home with, of course, its complementary backyard and barbecue has been central to the idea of the California dream sold worldwide in the 20th century. Yeah, but if you only have one house on a plot of land, that makes it hard to meet the housing demand. And numerous studies have shown that such zoning that excludes apartment construction helped create and exacerbate race and class divides in housing. You had a great story on this recently in the Times, Liam. But so far, the elimination of single-family home-only zoning appears to be more symbolic than anything else, with a lot more homes proposed and built under the ADU laws than SB9. So anything else here? Yeah. The other bill that did make some headway in this vein was AB 2011, which we did an episode about earlier this fall that you should check out. This new law, which takes effect next year, makes it so that commercial lots could be developed for residential use, so for housing. Mm -hmm. And according to one estimate, could create as many as 1.6 million new housing units, but over a long period of time. Yeah, another thing that's interesting here is that these bills that we've just been talking about weren't the governor's ideas himself. Right. And while the governor did sign these bills into law, it took him quite some time to publicly voice his support for them. These were pretty controversial measures. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that Newsom hasn't had his own proposals. The care courts that force some severely mentally ill people experiencing homelessness into treatment that people may have heard about recently, that Newsom proposed and heralded right through the finish line this year. 
So what you're saying is it's not like he doesn't ever propose anything as it relates to housing and homelessness. He just didn't take leadership on some of these more controversial things until really the end. Exactly. And it's probably because of how controversial housing production is. Everyone wants the benefit of more housing, but no one wants it in their backyards. And some of these big picture ideas that you talked about, um, those would be really controversial if, you know, building duplexes on a single family zone land last year was as controversial as it was. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it would really take a seismic shift to build those 3.5 million. Yeah, that sounds that I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, And I can't believe that we've gotten this far, Liam, without talking about homelessness. In 2020, Newsom devoted his entire state of the state to address homelessness. So let's revisit that. No amount of progress, though, no amount of progress can camouflage the most pernicious crisis, though, in our midst. And that's the ultimate manifestation of poverty, homelessness. And that's why I'm devoting today's remark to this crisis. Let's call it what it is. It's a disgrace that the richest state in the richest nation succeeding across so many sectors is falling so far behind to properly house, heal, and humanely treat so many of its own people. So Newsom set all these ambitious goals, but then two months later after that speech, the pandemic happened. But, you know, one thing that happened during this time, which obviously threw everyone's plans into disarray, that public health emergency also meant there was a flood of new federal money to respond. Which brings us to a time when Newsom really did snap into action to quickly bring a lot more housing online. Mm -hmm. That was Project Home Key. Between July and December 2020, his administration put together this program to buy up 94 underused hotels and motels to turn them first into temporary shelter and then permanent homes for people experiencing homelessness. The program cost more than $800 million, mostly using federal funds, and has since expanded to $2.75 billion for homelessness and even more to build mental health beds. Mm. It's expected to create more than 12,500 housing units for people. And one of the reasons it got done so quickly is because they waived CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act we discussed earlier, limiting the amount of community input and potential lawsuits before projects went forward. Yeah, and those battles over CEQA are continuing tug of war that affects all sorts of housing. You know, another area where the governor has made some steps, but not as aggressive as he possibly could have been. So let's come full circle, Liam. We started the episode talking about Newsom's lofty 3.5 million home building goal. And there's actually a new number his team is putting a lot more weight behind. What is it? The 2.5 million number. That's (laughs) another million. But it's it's different. So 2.5 million is the amount of housing California cities have been mandated to plan and zone for by 2030. Every eight years, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, cities have to plan for enough development to accommodate the growing population. But the planning usually has been pretty half-baked. There hasn't been real enforcement to make sure any of those units are on sites that are realistic for housing, much less actually getting built. Mm -hmm. But Newsom's new strategy is to hold those cities' feet to the fire to actually make sure that they plan for 2.5 million homes by 2030. 
Uh, so the number went from 3.5 million down to 2.5 million, and the units went from getting built to getting planned for, and the timeline got extended from 2025 to 2030. Yep. Michelangelo said it better than any of us. The biggest risk in life, however one defines risk, is not that we aim too high and miss it, it's that we aim too low and reach it. It was always a stretch goal, and we intend to continue to have audacious goals because Californians deserve them. So that was the governor there at a recent press conference relying on some wisdom from a 16th century Italian artist to perhaps cover his attempt to walk back that 3.5 million new home promise. <laughs> exactly. So what Newsom's uh, senior housing advisor, Jason Elliott, told me recently is, quote, before you can reach the moon, you have to get off the launch pad. And mm. the <laughs> way they're doing that enforcement is through a new enforcement and accountability team at the housing department and a similar team led by Attorney General Rob Bonta. The rules they're enforcing similar to the one we discussed earlier in this episode, have been on the books for decades in some cases. But for the first time, thanks to that enforcement, are finally being taken seriously. Yes, and as you just noted, sort of speaking full circle here, this is exactly what we talked about during our avocado segment. Because Santa Monica's housing plan was rejected, developers got a free-for-all that would allow them to build way more housing than they have in years. And, you know, still, as we said, there's a lot of questions about whether those projects will survive and, you know, what's certain to be lawsuits about them and ultimately whether any of that housing will get built. Exactly. So we've talked about the governor's promises, what he's done and what some of those new promises are. But let's get to the facts on the ground. Right. So for your regular person walking down the streets of Santa Monica, Sacramento, San Francisco, L.A., everywhere else, you know, does California's housing crisis look any better than it did in 2018? Well, if you're looking at some key numbers, I'd say the answer is no. The state's homeless population has grown 15% to just over 170,000 people. Housing prices also skyrocketed. The median price of a single-family home is now over $800,000 in California. And combined with rising mortgage rates, that makes it harder to buy a home than when Newsom first took office. Rents have also gone up a lot, despite another new law that Newsom championed that limited rent hikes to no more than 10% a year. Okay, so give us the overall bottom line here, you know, and you touched on all these points and the great piece you did on Newsom's housing promises. Thanks, Liam. I think it's fair to say that the governor has done a lot more on housing and affordable housing than his predecessors. Way more money, a lot more attention, and some of that attention does appear to be turning the conversation in the state toward building more housing, affordable and otherwise. Experts said that he really changed the tune on how people were talking about housing since he took office. Hmm. But? But, right. Yes. What the governor has done is a whole lot less than what he promised and a whole lot less than what it appears the state needs to make housing more affordable and alleviate homelessness. All right. And with that, make sure you vote by election day. You know, I already have, but I'm still getting a half dozen text messages a day from all these candidates. You're so popular, Liam. Uh, <laughs> make, yes, <laughs> make sure you go vote. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Gimme Shelter. If you like us, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and your other favorite podcast service. This is very important so that new people can discover Gimme Shelter and learn about California's housing crisis. Our producer is Mary Franklin Harvin. Mary Franklin, thank you for always keeping us on track. And then our editor, as always, Victor Figueroa. Thank you, Victor. You could find me on Twitter, at least while Twitter still exists, at Dylan Liam. And I'm Manuela Tobias from CalMatters, and my Twitter handle is at Manuela Tobias M. Thank you for listening. Thank you.